0: My guest today is someone who I first listened to, met, then worked with over 25 years ago. Wow. When I asked to join his BBC radio reggae show. Back then, he was just crucial Robbie, radio presenter, recording artist, promoter, sound system DJ, but jump forward to the present day. And a new generation will now see Robbie Lyle wearing many creative hats, such as YouTube presenter, ITV documentary maker, co-founder of Arsenal Fan TV. And if that wasn't enough, his Don Robbie YouTube channel has amassed a staggering 105,000 subscribers and still counting. He is also, more importantly, I think, a family man. And today, we are hoping his three reggae music choices will bring us back to where this all began. Welcome, Mr. Robbie Lyle, to the Reggae Lounge podcast. How are you, sir?
1: Hi. Twenty-five years ago, Jesus.
0: <laughs> no, where's that time uh, gone?
1: I know, I know. It's crazy. It's crazy, and I, I can still remember those times.
0: They were good times, yeah, though, um, at BBC Local Radio. Times, they
1: were. Yeah, BBC Free Counties Radio. Yeah, it was good. I was I was on there for um I think I was on there for ten years, you know. You were doing my show. Yeah, and um you know, that was my life, reggae, reggae music mm-hmm. and obviously you know at that time as well, I used to be well into my football. Even and then, even then. Even then, and you know what? I remember um there used to be um I don't know if you remember Erica, right? There used to be a sports show. Yes. That used to come on, I think they used to come on before, before they, they were on before us, yeah. yeah? I don't know if you remember, this, the guy who used to host that show Is a guy called David Croft.
0: Oh, gosh, yes. Long right. time,
1: yeah. And me and him always used to be arguing, right? He he was a massive West Ham fan, and obviously a massive Arsenal fan, and we'd always used to be arguing about football. And he now, he now actually, he works, he does all the F1 coverage. Oh. On, on, he's the, yeah, and I actually met him, last, I think it was... About a year and a half ago. That was the first time I've seen him since those days, you know. And we were chatting and yeah, he's doing really well. He's the voice of F1. So he's oh. he's gone on to do big things, you know.
0: Well, you both have then, yeah. haven't you? You both have. So so let's talk yeah. about this football because obviously by the time this goes out, then it, it may have died down the, the story. But this European Super League, yeah,
1: I'm what there. looks
0: like it's now no more. Do explain what's what's going on there
1: yeah well basically, um what happened was this the it was the top six clubs, the the so-called big six or you could say the richest six clubs mm. in the Premier League attempted to break away from the rest of the league and join up forces with some other clubs from around Europe to form this super league. and basically this super league would have meant that they'd play each other um in European competition midweek every week and as i said you know normally to get into those positions you have to earn it you have to like you you know in the current format you have to come in the top four of your division but with this you wouldn't have to earn it you this literally bought your way into it and it caused absolute uproar with all the fans because basically it's basically those clubs are sticking their fingers up at all the rest of the football teams and saying we're just going to do our own thing because we've got more money than you
0: well it wasn't really sorry gone
1: yeah and we're going to get together and we're going to play each other and we're going to maximize the amount of money we can make and you know and uh yeah fingers up to the rest of you you lot get on with it over there and we'll make all the money over here. and the fans went absolutely ballistic about it and you know um what i thought was really brilliant is that it was the fans that you know, by protesting and, you know, showing their displeasure, you know, managed to get it changed. You know what I mean? The footballers went against it. The MPs and uh, politicians started to rail against it and uh, they had to abandon it after a couple of days. So it was a real victory for football fans and people that are sensible. People power. Know? Yeah, definitely. You know, and a victory against greed because that's all it was. Greed, pure greed.
0: And what's quite alarming was that the fact that if you played in this league, no one could be relegated.
1: Well, yeah, that's where's right. The, where's the it, competition? You, what, what's... There's no competition to it. It's, it's, it they, they sort of based it on a similar, like what happens in American yeah. sports. So in a lot of American sports, you know, um, you just have a set amount of teams and they play and they play and they play and nobody gets relegated and they have this sort of long drawn out playoff mm-hmm, system. Of course. Um, but basically what happens is there's lots of TV coverage of it and they make loads and loads of money super bowl well. tv coverage yeah. but, it, but what it is it's like a cartel because you know every the, the one that was proposed over um over here because everybody else is frozen out all the other hundreds of clubs around europe have no way of playing in it it's just these so-called big six and there would have been 20 teams in it so it was really a sort of it honestly it was disgusting what they were trying to do and it was such a greedy act, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the, the fact that they had the arrogance to think they could pull it off as well.
0: And that was quite know? laughable.
1: But it's, it's one of the big problems with football, you know what I mean? is that it's dominated by greedy owners and greedy TV companies. And, you know, there's just a lot of greed around in football, you know, because Thank of you. the amount of money there is to be made in it. And I guess a
0: lot of those bosses don't really understand how passionate did, they, they did they, underestimate
1: yeah, us. <laughs> they completely underestimated us, and they don't understand the passion of fans, and they don't understand that these clubs have been built on generations. And you know, I mean, I've supported Arsenal all my life, you know, mm. and you know, and you will have fans same, you know, going back and their dads and before them and their great grandfather, and you know, they think now they can just come and take a club like Arsenal put it into this league so that they can maximise their profits. And it was just so wrong, so wrong on all counts. And yeah, I'm just glad that it all got, you know, it all got cancelled. And uh, yes, it's a good day for football fans because they all, football fans came together to rail against it.
0: Excellent. I mean, obviously your passion for football will always be there. So I've yeah. known you, like you say before, when you when you're a little boy, but um, but you've always been. I think you come from a very sporting family.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've um, got three brothers, and we we're all passionate um, about sports. And I used to play a lot of sports. I used to play a lot of rugby, cricket. Um, used to be a football. I wasn't very good at football, to the annoyance of myself. But you know, I mean, I used to play loads of sports, and I still love sports. Any. It's not just football. I'm just a real lover of all sports. Sports and music. Yeah, so
0: because when I was (laughs) was talking to you the other day, we we were thinking that there is, like I said in my intro, there's a whole generation who wouldn't have known you as crucial. They, you know, you've had records out, you did promoting. And it's fair to say that whenever you put a show on, it was sold out within days um, do you know what I mean? So a whole generation there. I mean, how, how does that feel? This
1: it's whole kind different of cool, life. <laughs> it's kind of cool because I you know, sometimes I go to football and I meet people that know me as Crucial Robbie, and they'll be saying they'll be talking to me about those times, and then I'll see people standing there and think, What are they on about? Crucial <laughs> Robbie, what he done the tune? you he never you proud to be black. What was that? They, were, <laughs> they just they can't get their head around it, you know. And I, I remember a few is about three, four years ago, um somebody like dug up a few old videos of me performing, right? You know, what I mean, oh, when, wow. I used to, when I when I when I used to do a lot of performing with, with Arima, and it it went viral around the internet because people, there was just so many people shocked that you know I used to do this. I used to perform and stuff like that. and I actually used to have hair as well <laughs> you know, you know. that was a long time <laughs> and, yeah and it was it just was it went everywhere and there were people saying to me did, did you really is that you and then there was other people who knew me from back then and going Well, some of these people me, man? they don't know you man they yeah. don't know that back in the day what you just described how much you did a radio show you did promotions, big promotions. You did, you know... Um, sound systems, these, yeah. you know, You did sound system. You used to tour around, you know, performing. But, so but it, it is cool. It is kind of cool that, you know, once I used to do that, and now I'm kind of doing something completely different. You well, know? You, yeah. But, but yeah. I feel that I, I always look on it, and I feel that those days really set me in good stead for what I do now as well.
0: Well, exactly. It's kind um, of the the, the the blueprint, isn't it, of what you of what you're doing now? I mean, have you ever... Did you ever
1: have a nine to five? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. even when I was doing the music, um, even when I was doing the music, at first I had a nine to five, then it blew up. Then I um started to just, I started, like, I'm going to concentrate on music full time. What career was it? Then, what, what were you doing? I think when I first started, when I first started working, I sort of worked as um like a clerical officer. Yeah, it was called, called at the time. I worked for, the DHSS at the time it was called. So I remember I used to work in in Labrick Grove. Okay. It, yeah, nice. that, and it weren't nice then days. Right. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's nice for now. You know what I mean, but um, yeah. So um, I worked in that, and then I worked in housing. Then, you know, I was the the music started to blow up, so I was doing that full time. But then when that started to die down again, I I went back into working in housing and then I trained to be um, a surveyor. So I was going to like a college part-time. That's a serious job. Yeah, I trained to be a building surveyor and I started working as a building surveyor and it was whilst I was working as a building surveyor, I then started doing um, what I do now the AFTV and then again it blew up so big that I then decided to leave the job and concentrate on this full time, but I've done, I've done, I've always worked. I've always worked. And I've always like, you know, I've always said to myself, right, I don't really want to do a nine to five. I want to work for myself, but I need money. <laughs> so yes. I have to work. And, you know, if, if the other things that I'm doing go well, then I'll leave and do it, do it full time. You know? So I've always sort of had that sort of work ethic about me, but as I said, that that's always set me in good stead you know well everyone Um, needs a
0: side hustle don't they until they make it
1: yeah if you can turn your side hustle into um into into something that's you you know you love doing which I've got what I'm doing now is my passion and I love doing it and you enjoy it and you can you know make money from it and you know it's it's the it's the best and I mean doing with, with football which I love you know I mean it's the best job I could possibly think of but You know, as I said, when I started doing it, I had to work, you know, I was, I was working, you could say two jobs, I was doing 18 hour days plus, you know, because I was, I had to do the main job to help finance this because I didn't get no loans or nothing like this at that time, I had to do it all off off my own back, so but it sets you in good stead. It sets you in good stead as it starts to grow, you know, and it's okay. like organic growth. Yeah. You, you can't beat that. You can't beat that organic growth. Okay. So, yeah, it is um, it is good that it's been two different... I guess I can look back at my life at one stage and I'll be able to say, yeah, at one stage of my life I did that and now on the second part this. of the journey trajectory. I'm doing this. Okay, yeah.
0: so, so let's just start back with the music. So what would be your first reggae choice, your first classic? What kind of you think what describes you or what's made you as you are? Maybe the singer, the, the music?
1: Do you know what, man? When you said to me to pick a couple of tunes, it's so hard. Has to be three. So hard. I picked, yeah, I picked three. It's so hard because I don't, I've don't. i never really had super duper favourite tunes I, because I used to play so much music, mm-hmm. right? I have tunes that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've tried to, yeah, I've tried to do my best to pick out some. I thought I'd pick out a Studio One tune at first, right? Because that's my favourite music. Anything Studio One. Mm-hmm. To this day, to this day, you'll see me driving in my car. I've, I, I love Studio One music, man. Mm-hmm. I just love that one drop. I love the bass. Mm-hmm. I Sometimes I listen to Studio One and I imagine, I say, if I could go back in a time tunnel, I would like to... Be teleported back to a studio in Jamaica, Studio One in Jamaica, where they're making some of these tunes. Because when when they used to make tunes, um, Studio One, which was even way before when I was, um, you know, um, doing my reggae music. That music wasn't there. Was no drum machines or anything like that. All the music was played live in the studio. Yeah even sometimes you listen to studio one tunes if you listen very carefully you can make you can listen you can hear slight errors mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. in the you know on the piano a- or slight authentic. errors
0: yeah
1: it's ah uh, trust me I absolutely love studio one music so I picked out um party time by the heptones. I love that tune it's a tune that you always used to hear in dances it's tunes that you you still hear it to this day and it still sounds Fresh, and that's the thing about Studio One music and Treasure Isle and Studio. It sounds fresh. It still sounds brilliant today. And as I said, it's authentic, no drum machines, no snares. You know, and it was copied, and it's still copied to this day, the rhythms. And copied across various music. So party time, the heptones would definitely be one of mine.
0: Well, here it is. the reggae lounge podcast with my special guest robbie lyle now of course studio one which you know that just takes you back was it your was it your mum or your dad who, who Who was the one who influenced your musical tastes
1: i think it, it weren't my mum and my dad no <laughs> <laughs> even though i used to hear um like my dad used to play music you, you know Back in the day is to have them old gram, they used to call it. Mm, of course. And I used to hear him playing his tunes, especially on a Sunday. Um, but I wasn't really into his tunes, to be honest. And then my mum was more a church woman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, certain tunes that I played, she'd be like, I oh, want that, I <laughs> want m what Mickey them bad language and <laughs> I mean, so, <laughs> right, so like, I think more my brother, because um, my brother, you know, was he, he had he started the sound system um and sovereign and then like it was from him he was always playing music and that and then i really got into it and then i just used to it was my passion i used to go record shop every week i mean these sort of things are things now that just don't happen you know i mean people mm. you know everything's online now and you it's downloaded it but in those days you used to have to go to the record shop oh gosh yes yeah yeah and i i, I used to go to record shop in There used to be a a shop called Dub Vendor in Labbrook Grove. I remember that was like, yeah, that was my main shop that I'd go to. And you literally, you went in there and you'd stand up behind the counter, right? And Dub Vendor got all the fresh tunes straight out of Jamaica, Mm -hmm. right? Tunes that just came out in Jamaica, as it came out in Jamaica, they had it as well immediately, right? And you just stand up in there and they just play tunes, right? And as you hear a tune that you like, you just put your hand up and say, Yeah man, that one, that one, one and they just throw it to you. I miss those days, man. I miss those yeah, days. I, I think and you know, that's where you developed an ear for music. Yes. Because you just listen to tunes. You know what I mean? you just be listening to, listen to tunes, right? And sometimes like the guy behind the counter would say, I remember there's a guy called Ritz, who used to work behind there, right? And he'd be like, Yeah, we have a new tune, you know, this one, I uh, check this out. And he just and that's where a lot of sound systems used to go and buy their music because they'd have all the fresh tunes. And as I said, you had to have a, you developed an ear for music by going to the record shop and buying music. I I don't think that exists now because everybody just follows everybody, just follows trends. You know what I mean? And downloads the trends, the tune that everybody seems to be jumping on. So impersonal. In those days you had to listen Mm -hmm. out and find that hit. And that's where I really developed a real ear for music.
0: I mean, gosh, yes, you'd, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, going to a record store and just have the whole afternoon—that used to be my Saturday afternoons, if not the whole day. <laughs> like yeah, you, just go in and just listen.
1: Um, Me, especially like when I was working, like um, Dan, as I said, in Labrador Grove. So you know, I, I was—I worked fast. so sometimes I'd be there lunchtime. <laughs> so I'd be there in the afternoon. You, you know what I mean? When when work finished. I mean, I've like two, three times a week, I spent a lot of money on records, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where I really learned my ear, for, got my ear for music to then getting into the sound system. Then I, when I was in the sound system, a lot of times I used to cut a lot of the dub plates. So I'd fly over to Jamaica and go to studios. And again, you know what I mean? I'd be in there listening to music.
0: You see, that's a different time.
1: ideas to cut music.
0: Yeah, that's a different
1: type yeah, of music lover. That is really I mean, yeah, no, definitely. I was deep in it, man. I mean, I was deep in yeah, it. you I were. mean, I've, I've, I've you know, I've been to I've been to many different countries, and I just developed an ear for music. So that's why I said it's hard to pick favorite musics because I just listened to so much. I consumed even those days. I consumed so much music. You know, so, um, yeah, fight, thinking, finding and digging out favourites. So, so how hard. did,
0: so I, <laughs> I remember, I remember your tune, Proud to be Black. So, which was, yeah. you know, that even the lyrics now are, are still so much relevant. Um, yeah. So how did that opportunity came about then?
1: So Proud to be Black, right, I used to sort of perform that on the sound system, you know, because I used to be an MC and, I used to pride myself on writing a lot of lyrics and I, I you know, I, I developed, you know, I developed a real talent for being an MC and I was known around the UK as as you know, real sort of good underground guy. And then I started to do a couple of recordings and I'd written these lyrics called proud to be black. And, you know, I, it was quite passionate to me at the time because I was just like, you know what? we sometimes we're not proud. We, it's, it's like we're not proud of our color. You know I mean? Mm. We, 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 it's almost like uh, I was thinking to myself, we, you know, we've been brainwashed into thinking sometimes, especially in those times that black is a problem. Mm. So I wanted to do this tune to say to people, no, be proud of your color, be proud to be black and give people reasons why they should be proud to be black in this tune. And um, I, I, Wrote the tune and um, I recorded it and um, the tune blew up. It went to number one in the reggae charts Mm. in the UK. And that tune was the making of me in a way because off of that tune, I got to tour all around Europe. I got to go on to make an album called Crucial View. Mm -hmm. I performed on reggae Sunsplash in Jamaica. I performed in America. Wow, just on this one powerful song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did other tunes as well, but that was the tune that really blew for me. And, you know, it, yeah, I mean, I performed among, I even performed on a lot of shows with big artists like, you know, Gregory Isaacs and Dennis Brown and Ziggy Marley and things like that. I, you know, I was looking back at the other day, I was like, wow, You know, I mean, I wish I had some videos and that from those days. Mm, <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah, M- more stuff. But yeah, no, that tune was a huge, huge tune for me. And I remember when I first recorded it, and you know, you do a tune and you're thinking, "Yeah, I hope it can do well." And I remember it got, it came into the charts. It was about number forty something, you know, because at the time you had the UK reggae charts at that time, and I was like, I was like, "Wow, forty! This is brilliant! This is amazing!" Mm-hmm. And then when I recorded that tune, I was still working at those times as mm-hmm. well. I was still doing my job. And then I remember I was driving, I I'd be driving and I'd always hear it on the radio. We don't you know the pirate stations of mm-hmm. those days. And I was like, hey, hold on a minute. These guys are playing this tune a lot, man. They like it. And the pirate DJs will be playing it and bigging it up. So you see this tune, I'm a favorite tune and this tune, I mush up the play or something. And that's when I started to realize that, hey, you know what, this tune's getting big. Yeah. And then next thing I know it's flying up the charts and then it went to number one. And then my phone's ringing off and everybody's asking me to come and do PAs all around the UK, you know, Birmingham, Nottingham, Manchester, all around London. And I was just like, wow, wow. And then, I'm leaving my job. I was just going to do this full time. <laughs> and that's know, the so. dr- that
0: is the dream, isn't it? When you know you yeah. can finally, finally say, you know, I'm, <clears throat> yeah. I'm, this is my dream.
1: This is it. The only thing about reggae music, there weren't big money in it, you know? You, no. you made money, you know what I mean? You made money in it and at the time I, um, you know, I bought a car off of it and, you know what I mean? I was doing, I well, that's I was okay. doing this thing okay and stuff <laughs> like. But there was, you know, compared to like other eyes, who like who did other forms of music, you didn't get the same type of money. You, you made a lot of your money off of doing shows. You and also to talk. back in yeah. the day, back in the day as a youngster. Right, and you're doing shows, you know, what I mean a lot of those shows were run by some of the uh should I say not the most not the most honest of people sometimes. You have to I be weary, yes. I remember doing shows sometimes, right? And I'd have to I'd have to um you know, I'd come out of the show, right, and I'd be like, Yeah, can I get paid now? And the promoter would be gone. <laughs> Just disappear. Or oh. or I'd be like, Boy, Robbie? It never really worked out that well, in I yeah. know i was supposed to be a 300 pound, but um, I can't give you 150. And I'm looking around the dance. I'm thinking, yeah, it's ramming it. What do you mean it didn't work out? You know what I mean? <laughs> and I remember, right? I remember, I remember having to sort of uh have an agent who yeah, I'd class him as kind of an agent stroke bad man. If <laughs> so I'm being honest, right? And uh, like um he because of his reputation for being bad (laughs) right? all of a sudden i started getting paid all the time because he'd always go and collect my money yeah so he'd be like rubby don't worry i'm I'm gonna get your money (laughs) right so um he'd go and get he'd go get my money i'd always get paid right and then he'd just take a little percentage and it was a nice little arrangement and after that i was getting paid Good money all the time, so right. So, it's who you That's know, it was like in the, that was what it was like in the reggae industry at in them times. You know, yeah. what I mean, it was a bit, it was a bit wild. wild, wild I think right. it's
0: probably the music industry, to be honest, because I've heard you know, nah, st- nah,
1: things not more the reggae, same as, oh, okay, not the same as reggae <laughs> reggae was a bit more cutthroat, I say it's a bit more, a bit more rough, <laughs> you know, oh, I mean? dear. because of the you know, there was a lot of people keep who kept events and that, as I said, they weren't the most. They didn't have the most scruples. Some of them, you know what I mean, and or some of them weren't, you know. And so, yeah, a lot of times, man, you know, um, do you know a lot, a lot of things different, I,
0: different. when I think about you and, and everything and as what you've cause you've done, I say so much. Is that everything you've done? You've created the opportunity. You don't let the grass go under your feet for a minute. There is that drive, <clears throat> isn't there? You do have that. You keep on going. I mean, your your radio radio show, I remember that show. I think you might might have had someone before you doing it, but your show was on for 10 years, like you say. Mm. And everyone, you know, everybody listened. It was the thing to listen to. But you still keep going, of course, now with your, you know, the the football, the fans and things like that, the Arsenal fan club. Mm. Um, Where does that drive come from? You know, do you just see something, you think, you know what, I'm going to do X.
1: I think I've got a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit That just, you know, I'm like, and I think I'm a guy that don't like to give up and I'm always up for the challenge. And I think also, um, I did a, I did a podcast the other day and I was saying to these guys on it that, you know, I think I get a lot of it from my parents. And I think, you know, my parents came over to England f- from Jamaica with nothing really. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I go back to Jamaica, and I look at their family homes, both of them. I mean, they were tiny little places, man. They were just like you know mm-hmm. with I mean, I mean, my mum, there was thirteen kids living in this little one house, like yeah. right? you know, my dad, there was eight kids living in this little one house in you know, neighborhoods that weren't the best. And I look on it and I think they left from there, came over to England, right? Remember in those days that's a brave move because you're coming to England. You don't know what the country's like. You don't know what the weather's like. You don't know how the people are going to receive you. You, you. you haven't really got no money. They ain't not got no big education. And they came over here. and I, I look on it and I think, you know, my dad ended up, he bought his own house, which he, you know, when mm-hmm. he passed away, he paid off for his house.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And they brought up four kids. You know, um, my other three brothers have done very well. You know, mm-hmm. one of my brothers is a, one of my brothers is a teacher, um, headmaster at a school. Mm-hmm. One of one of my other brothers um, has got a, um has one has got a massive job at um BBC in mm-hmm. sports. You know, I, and I look at that and I'm like, what they managed to achieve, mm-hmm. we got to take it to the next level.
2: Yeah,
1: you know what I mean. I I you know I mean I can't come after they've done all that to give us an opportunity we have to seize those opportunities. Now it's not, the opportunities don't always drop in your lap. So you have to go out there and try and get them. So I've kind of got that attitude, like, you know, I've got that entrepreneurial spirit. They weren't really entrepreneurs. They worked for people, but I've got that sort of spirit inside of me that like, yo, I I work for people, but I'd like to do, I think I can do it better myself sometimes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's where it's come from with me. That's where, you know, and i'm a person i'm not really i think with me i'm not scared to try something yeah i'm not scared to give it a try and i don't listen to naysayers around me who say to you oh boy you can't do that it now i work it No, because you get a lot of people like that would be around you sometimes they're even your friends yeah and they're not and they're not telling you that to be horrible they think they're telling you that to be because they're your friend they think they're looking out for your best interest yeah but sometimes they're killing your dream.
0: Exactly, because they're not and willing to do it. And
1: that's... Yeah, and you, you've got to do it for yourself to find out whether you like it or not, whether you can do it or not. I mean, when I first started doing the AFTV thing, loads of people told me, Robbie, that ain't going to work. Oh. It ain't going to work. And I was well, like, you know what? I'm like, boy, well, I, I feel it will work and I'm going to give it a go. And if it don't work, then so I'm be confident it. enough to know that, you know, I'm, <laughs> I can work, I can do a full-time job. So, yeah. you know...
0: You have to take the leap so, sometimes.
1: You have, to take, you have to take the leap of faith. You have to risk. You've got to run that little risk sometimes. So, and I, I was always willing to do that. So
0: so what's your second choice
1: of the evening? Second choice, I'm going to go for a dance aisle tune. Okay. That was just a big tune, right? At, and to this day, it's still a tune that I hear get played loads and loads of times. And this tune, basically, every time it used to play in a dance, it, the dance was just like it stopped the dance. If it was we used to say back in the day, right? And that's ring the alarm oh. by Tennyson.
0: Yes, ring the
1: alarm by Tennyson. I love it.
0: And you still play it now? Still play, of course, of course, <laughs> man. <laughs> Tennyson, ring
1: <Stalagram>. the alarm. <laughs>
3: Listen to the sound, it's a champion Run the dance in any session Rock up the woman, rock up the man Ring the alarm, and the sound is dying Whoa, hey, ring the alarm And the sound is dying Whoa t ta we beat them all in a row. Donkey want water, but you hold him joe. t ta we beat them all in a row. The cost want water, but hold him joe. Ring the alarm, and the sound is dying. Whoa, hey. Ring the alarm, and a sound is dying. Whoa, hey. Four big sound in a one big lawn. The dance on a play, the other tree key come. Um. Big sound in a one big lawn. The boom sound of the other cheap bring me Ring the alarm and not a sound is dying. Whoa, hey, remember this sound? It's the talk of the town, talk of the country. Hey, rock Mr. Charlie, rock Miss Muncey, talk of the country. So, ring the alarm and not a sound is dying. I know, I know, ring the alarm. Watch the sound on a timbre, watch the sound on a prey. Watch the sound on a timbre, watch the sound on a frame. Bring the alarm, now the sound is dying, I know, I know. Bring the alarm, now the sound is suffering, whoa, hey. A little of this sound a little of that, rocks is the coming, and is the path. Rock to white, uh, rock to black, sweet reggae music on, on the attack, yes, on the attack, it gone, on the attack, sweet reggae music on, straight non-stop, ring the alarm, another sound is dying, whoa, hey, ring the alarm, another sound is suffering, whoa, hey, some sounds sound like a big jump on, listen to the sound of the jump.
0: you're listening to the regular podcast with my special guest Robbie Lyle so Robbie you know you're a family man and we talked about obviously Mm -hmm. your your past your past jobs um what did your family say? Because you're bringing up a, a, a young family. So what did they say or your wife said when you, you know, I'm going to do X now? What, what, was she supportive? Were your parents supportive?
1: My pa- <laughs> I always remember my parents, man. They're like, go do our job. You always I do these. You always I try because that's what Caribbean parents do, don't they? They do. Yeah, my mum used to say, "You always I try do these little thing here and this and that and do it (laughs) right." But I I guess they weren't super encouraging. But again, as I said, they were trying to. They thought they were looking out for my best interest, right? So they'd be like, you know, get a stable job, do that job, Um, because they think they're looking out for your stable interests. For for, they're looking out for your interests and. They're looking for stability in your life. But when you sort of got that sort of entrepreneurial spirit, you have to come out of your comfort zone. And that means discomfort, right? So, um, yeah, a lot of times my parents, you know, my parents weren't always down with um, me trying all these various things. But then after a while, they just, I think they clocked. That's just in me. Yeah, and they clocked that you know that I'd still work and still be doing these things as well. I uh, um so they they were supportive, and yeah, you know, I mean, I, I I've just always been that way, and like with my kids now. Yeah,
0: because how old are I they think, now? Gosh,
1: um, I've got a daughter. Uh, I've got a daughter who's um twenty, <laughs> at uni, <laughs> yes. but then other another daughter who's um um thirteen. And uh, a son who's uh, eleven, about to turn twelve. Yeah, oh. and they—they they all, I think, they all like what I do. They all like what I do. They all, you know, especially like now, you know, it's YouTube and kids love YouTube. Every kid wants mm. to be a YouTuber.
2: Yeah,
1: right. So they, I think, they look on it like I'm a bit of a cool dad. You know what I me? Mean? Because I, you know, I'm on YouTube and I've got this. You'd be you know, real I'm, cool dad. <laughs> Yeah, so AFTV's got, you know, over a, a million subscribers, you know what I mean? So when they go to school, you know, a lot of times our videos get seen and kids will be saying to them, you know, oh, is that your dad and... Oh, that's um, I, mean, I, don't they, I don't know if they get annoyed because a lot of times when I go out I get stopped a lot I mean a lot ridiculously amount now so that's lovely um I think in one way they like it and then I think sometimes they get a bit annoyed because they're like uh, we're trying to get somewhere and dad you just have to be stopped by about 10 people or take photographs and stuff like <laughs>
0: the price of fame so, kids the price of fame <laughs> you
1: know but I think um the most important thing for me is them looking and seeing my work ethic yeah um, and I hope that rubs off on them, you know, that they see, you know, because I, I am a sort of, uh, I am a bit of a workaholic. I will, I will put the hours in to achieve what I'm trying to achieve. So I think they see that work ethic and they enjoy that. Well, I don't know if they enjoy that. <laughs> I enjoy think, the spoils. You know, they, <laughs> they, but they, I think they, I think that's going to rub off on them. They're going to see that. And hopefully when they get to those stages, They'll have the same sort of same sort of work ethic.
0: I mean, talking about seeing you everywhere. I mean, I think I was watching a was it a morning show or or probably an evening show, and it was with Piers Morgan. And he's
1: said, like, oh, "We're, yeah, gonna, we're yeah. going
0: to talk to Robbie Lyle. I thought, "What <laughs> What's going?"
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> he's I think, um, big time. <clears throat> I think I was in Russia. Yes, I was in Russia at the World Cup, and um, yeah, they they um, they did a link up with me over there at the World Cup, because that's one of, me, one of the best things about doing this AFTV as well, is that I've gone around the world with this thing, man. I mean, I, I I used to do some touring with music, which was great, but it's more Europe stuff. With football, you do a lot of Europe, but I've done a lot of other countries as well. I've been to China, I've been to Australia, I've been America, all over America. It's been amazing. Right, so and
0: AFTV, that's Arsenal fan, is
1: that? Arsenal fan TV, yeah. Right,
0: okay. So... I'm assuming because I I see a lot of um, fan or fanzines and that sort of thing. Did Arsenal Mm. not have one before, or did you again see a niche and you?
1: No, this is the first. We we, there wasn't one at Arsenal. We there wasn't really. There was not really any fan channel like how we did it. There was a couple of um, sort of channels that. um, There was a Liverpool one. I don't really know of many others, but there was a Liverpool one that's, but they didn't really do it in the same style of us. We were sort of like the first channel that went out and started interviewing fans after games and talking to fans and that. So we were the first, we were the first, not just the first Arsenal channel. We were the first channel to do it how we did it. Um, Since then, there's been, there's quite a few now that have, you know, come after us. Um, But we were the first, we were the first to do it. So when, when, when I started it, you know, Nobody hadn't done this yet. This, yeah. this is something brand new. Actually, you know?
0: I've got a quote from you right here, actually, from your site. And you said, when asked why did you create it, and you said, we've all had enough of these so-called pundits. Most of them aren't even at the games. Is that still yeah. true? Some of them aren't at That's the games?
1: Still, that is, well, what, what, when I say not at the games, like uh, Arsenal specifically, you have pundits that go to games, but yeah. they go to wherever they've been paid to go to. So okay. if, they've been, if they're paid to go to a game, you know, but they'll be commenting on, say, for instance, for instance, an Arsenal game, but they haven't been there. They don't go week in, week out, up and down the country like what we do. They're not invested in the club like a football fan's invested in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I was like, I want to speak to the people that are invested in it, are there every single week. I want to speak to those people. I want to hear from those people because those are the, re- those are the real true opinions those guys, those fans, they know their club inside out. So that was the whole aim of when I set my thing up.
0: But also you've got, if I remember rightly, haven't you had Thierry Henry? I mean, the actual players have been on your website, haven't they? They've been on your yeah, show.
1: Well, yeah, I've interviewed, um, I've interviewed Thierry Henry. And, you know, it was fantastic when mm-hmm. I met him because you know he's my all-time footballing hero. Yeah. I walked into a room to interview him um, it was just a last-minute interview as well. He didn't even know that I was going to be interviewing him. And when I walked in, he knew who I was. <laughs> called, oh. called me by my name and said to me that he enjoys what will I do. That was amazing. Ooh, wow. I've Ian Wright, another one of my heroes, you know what I mean? I, I've become very friendly with, you know what I mean? I've interviewed him many a times.
0: He's me lovely. And him just
1: talk, me and him talk like mates now, you know mm. what I mean? It's absolutely brilliant. I mean, today even, you know, this. these are some of the crazy... Um, sort of interviews that I do, I interviewed um, John Burko, who used to be the, um, yeah.
0: the, the speaker Commons. for
1: the House of yeah. Commons. I interviewed him today. Oh, because he's you a know, huge um, Arsenal fan. yeah. He's a massive Arsenal fan. You know what I mean? It, it, I, I'm interviewing him. I've interviewed him before and I, I, I'll be like, wow, <laughs> yeah. I would never have thought that I'd be speaking to, you know, Major this guy, yeah. who's the Speaker of the House of Commons, one of the most recognizable yeah. people in government and in politics, yeah. right? And he knows me and he he loves what I do I do and you know we share a common interest and he's like he's such a cool guy. You know what I mean? And mm. so I've met a lot of people through this. It's it's amazing, man. And it's amazing how many people how many people know, you know, know me and how many people watch what I do and yeah I, I, it never ceases to amaze me it never ceases yeah. to amaze me because, you know I mean? it's just...
0: sorry because also yeah. um we were also talking about the very beginning top of the show that you have made documentaries for ITV as well and one of those yep. being racism in football which yep. you know always so re- I say always raises its head it doesn't go away um, always,
1: no, no, you were right the first time It always raises its head You know, what I mean, that's, yeah. that's a problem That's one of the things that, you know We need to get out of football, you know How, um, how can you do and, that, you
0: think? How's that, how is that going to happen?
1: What, what, <clears> what, what is football not doing? Football doesn't take it seriously enough yeah. That's what happens You know, we, what, what you was talking to me about At the start of the programme When you're you, you were saying that um, You're asking me the question about What happened this week with mm the madness that happened in football um, and how these owners of these football clubs tried to take and join this new league, Mm -hmm. the sanctions that were coming down upon them immediately from the governing bodies, you know, they they were saying, they were saying to um, the footballers, for instance, they go, if you go and play in this league, you will be banned from playing for your national team. You will not be able to play in the World Cup. Yeah. You will not be able to play in the Euro- European Cup. You know, heavy, heavy sanctions mm-hmm. immediately
0: yeah.
1: being banded about. Whereas when it comes to racism, somebody there was a, there was a player the other day who racially abused um, a Glasgow Rangers I player. He got a 10-game ban. It took ages for them to sort it out. And then they gave him a 10-game ban. I so he'll be that. back playing football. Yeah. The, the, the fans of that club unveiled a banner where they were backing that guy who, well, when I say fans, not all the fans, but some, you know, a small amount of their fans and they'll this banner where they were backing. You know, no doubt those fans will probably be back in the ground the following week. Nothing yeah. happened to them. So I don't think they, you know, especially in Europe, they don't take it seriously enough. And even in this country, there's been too, so many incidents of racism and it's not taken seriously enough. The sanctions are not the same as if mm. it starts to hit somebody's pocket. So until yes. they take it with the utmost seriousness, we're always going to get these sort of things happening, incidents happening. I mean, it's, it's a lot. I mean, and that's what I discussed in the documentary. I spoke about when I used to go to football back in the day in comparison to now and how bad it was. And it has improved a lot. A hell of a lot has yeah. improved. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, basically going to football back in, you know, the 80s, 90s, when I first went, I mean, you know, as a black guy, mm-hmm. you're in danger. I used, to, I used to have friends of mine saying to me, if I'm mad going football, you know what I mean? Because yeah. as a black man going football, you are liable to get tumped up? You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just because I love the game so much why I went. And, you know, my black friends, my other black friends would be like, yeah, well, boy, Robbie, watch it on TV. What are you going for? Are you stupid? Do you want to get licked down? You know what I mean? So we've come a long way since then, but we've still got a long way to go, and that's what I sort of spoke about in the di- in the documentary. And I went around the country and met various different fans. Um, met some Asian fans in Leicester. I met some Asian um, Sikh fans up in Wolverhampton. I met black fans of clubs from various clubs. And we just spoke about how it used to be and how things have improved and what needs to be improved. And really, the whole point of the show was to show racism in football from a fan's perspective because we always see it from the perspective of players. Players, And, you know, a lot of documentaries of players talking about how, you know, they go on the pitch and they get booed and bananas thrown at them. But nobody's ever spoken about the fans because, trust me, the fans get even worse. So well it is it scary isn't it
0: if if there's if the majority of people there aren't don't look like you and they start making yeah. noises what do you do because it's not like you can just sneak out it's it,
1: yeah no, it, it's, it's, it's you know and but you know if you don't go for it sometimes sometimes a lot of people don't understand it because maybe they, they, you know they're not black so they don't understand the hurt and the harm that it causes and uh, and what I thought was great about this documentary is that it showed people in this documentary that to this day had been damaged by racism that they'd experienced you know when they first used to go to football it really brought it home and it showed you know I had so many people saying to me after the documentary that you know what Robbie we never realized the pain that some of this racism causes. I mean, we had a, we had a black Chelsea fan on there and his account of when he first went to the football in the seventies with his, with his dad and how his dad was spat at mm. just because he was black, Gosh. even though he was supporting Chelsea and how his dad left at halftime. And, and he's, he, he, he was in tears. That
0: stayed with him. Yeah.
1: You know, he was in tears. So it was a very moving documentary. and I, I was really pleased with how it came out. Um, Really, really, happy it was a with great that, documentary.
0: Okay. Uh, have you got more in the pipeline? Oh, did you watch it? I did you watch I did? it,
1: yeah, it was, of course. Yeah, no. Did you remember that Chelsea fan? I, mean, I do remember the Chelsea fan. I remember he was filming that on the day, and even me, I'm like, I was yeah, like, wow, it did. Was, yeah. It really, really moved me. You know, what I mean, and it like, stayed
0: with him, and it always will. It was, it was. Yeah, that's the thing.
1: This is this is the thing, and I, I'm, I was glad that we really brought that across in the documentary that, you know, the the, you know, some people just brush off racism. Oh, well, just, yes, a few words. No, these things are very, very hurtful. Of you know? course,
0: the, of course they hurt. I mean, can you, I, I can't e- imagine, you know, when, even when you do go back in the day and you see people like John Barnes and have got banana skins being thrown at them or monkey noises, even mm. it, it's, it, you know, and come forward all these years later, almost 40 years later, it's still there. And we're, it still shouldn't seeing, be. we're
1: still seeing that. And in this day and age, we should not even, there should be nothing like that that no. exists. No. And even, you know, recently now we're seeing the, the rise of the online abuse now. That's that's the latest one where yeah. since we've had the lockdown, that's really, you know, people have seen that more and more.
0: Yeah, Who was the yeah. player who's actually come off come offline now? Uh, was it Thierry Henry? There was a high, was Thierry it a high, Henry. Thierry it was Henry, him, he's yeah. Off
1: like, yeah. He Which said is he doesn't going back online. Of course it's a shame, yeah. You know, but he's right in a way. He says he's not going to, because again, he's saying the social media companies don't take it seriously enough how many more people are going to call him nigger before Mm. something's done about it? You know what I mean? So it's not taken, the issue of racism sometimes is not taken seriously enough. If it's taken as seriously as when people's pockets start to get affected, affected, you would see it reduce right down. And until they take it as serious as that, it's always going to exist. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed doing that documentary, and yeah, there are others in the um, there are others um, hopefully in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. The, the, the the worst thing about it for me is that, that documentary came out, did really really well. ITV loved it, and then the pandemic came along, so yeah. everything stopped. That, you know, yeah, everything sort of stopped. It's only just now we're looking now at maybe getting things going again, um, on the documentary side. So. Yeah, I've actually got a meeting um about that in about a week and a half's time. Oh, so Look out for that. Yeah, so um, yeah, start getting that going again because I don't want to kill the momentum on that. Of course that was, not. That was uh, and that documentary was like, you know, um was like co-produced by my production company. So it's was, it was really pleasing it was to good. see that it done so well. Yeah. see your
0: name in lights. So also, that, I mean, with, with the football and racism, I, I won't say it's racism, but what about... The, the lack or the few black managers, are the opportunities there for them? Or, it's
1: embarrassing. Or is it just that like we don't...
0: So, what, 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 so what's the disparity there then? Is it because we don't... They don't go it's for
1: them or... It's just simple racism. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I just literally throw it out there like this. Look how many black people play football. Mm-hmm. Right? When you look at teams, right? You'll see teams sometimes and like nine of the outfield players are black. Yeah. Half of the team are black. And then how many black managers are there, not just in the Premier League, but across the four, five major leagues in football? Mm-hmm. I think there's about two or three. So I, I, I just sometimes put it out there to um, people who try to deny it's a problem and say, well, can you explain that to me then? If, it's not a, if there's no issue, why is that? They can never answer it because the truth of the matter is it's racism. The people who run these football clubs, the, the board members and that, you know, there's hardly anybody of colour on any of these boards. Yeah. So when they're making their selection, you know, they just overlook the black guys. Right? So, and then it has the knock-on effect that, you know, you get guys now that are leaving football. I speak to a lot of players and I always ask them that question, a lot of black players. I say, hey, are you going to get into management? And a lot of them say to me, Robbie, ain't worth it. I better to go and invest, you know, I'm going to invest in some property or I'm going to do something different because what's the point? Every time, you know, you go and you do your coaching badges and stuff like that, which costs a lot of money to do and you, you know, and really there's no hope of getting a job. So I may as well go and spend my time concentrating on something else.
0: I remember watching the World Cup um, 2018, oh my, was it 2018? Oh my gosh, that time has flown. Yeah. And uh, watching the England team. How? Yeah. What? How? Not what? Eighty percent of those players were either mixed yeah. or black, and I thought, wow, it, it's really you know, it's representing England, fantastic. But like, you yeah. say
1: they, how man, many the, black the managers yeah. in the Premier League? Yeah, yeah, the, how many yeah. black managers are in the Premier League? The answer is, I think well, there's one. Nuno, Spirit of Santo, um, Portuguese guys, uh, um, Wolves. That's it. There are no more. He's the only one.
0: Mm. How many,
1: how many black managers in the, in the championship? I think there's one. There are more, I think, on Sheffield Wednesday. You know, it's it's, it's atrocious. It's atrocious. Right now in the leagues, it's like that. So somebody please tell me why that is. But I know why that is. Because as I said, these guys don't get a chance. They don't get a chance. Because the the guys that make the decisions, you know... They, they're not going to take, they, they're just, you know, there's some of them that are just out, probably out, just downright racist and think to themselves, oh, a black person can't lead. And then you've got others that are just like, because they've not really seen in the many black managers, they just don't feel they can take a chance, you know? And if you don't get a chance and if you don't get the opportunity, and then you'll find other things like a black manager does get a job. And if he doesn't do that great and he gets, say, sacked, that's it. It's like he's not the next 10, 20 black managers coming behind him. It shouldn't be like that. It's not like that for anybody else. Yeah. You know, people should be treated on merit, simple as that. You know, we shouldn't be discussing the colour. You know what I mean? I mean, I I employ um, about nine people, I think nine or ten people now. And I always get people commenting on the fact that, oh, Robbie, you've got such a... Um, diverse workforce. You've got black, you've got Asian, you've got white, you've got Jewish guy working for you, you've got women. And I've never, you know, until people started pointing it out, I didn't even really realise. Think about it, exactly. I just employ people on merit. Yeah. I don't care what colour or what you do. You know, if you're good enough, you're in. Exactly. If you're good enough, you're in. That's how it should work. So, Honestly, it's, it's embarrassing that we're even talking about these things in 2021. You know, it's not 1961. You know what I mean, or 51, or 31. It should be, doing we be. We shouldn't really be discussed. We should be doing way better. It makes you. But unfortunately, f- still it, it still exists. I,
0: and you know that report, uh, the racism report. where there's no, you know, systemic racism, which you kind of think. That's a joke. <laughs> come on, it's <laughs> just.
1: I mean, come on, that's a kick in the teeth. You know <laughs> exactly. what I mean? Because we all see it every single day. We all see it. It's there. It's 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 everywhere. You know what I mean? And it's got better but we still got a lot of work to do
0: there's we've some opportunity there is some opportunity but like you say it's it, sometimes it's not always clear cut and and the people hire like you say aren't always people who look like us you need yeah. to have a mixed I bag mean, to recognize that we, pe- people do think differently they do see things
1: differently you
0: know yeah, if, you you've got, if
1: you've got if you if you've got a diverse you know, diverse workforce, or, you know, if you've got people who think in a diverse way, you know, somebody should get a job on merit. I don't I don't like people getting jobs just because of their colour. Um, I do understand the reasons that sometimes you do have to have a bit of affirmative action to get people, just to get people started off yeah. in positions. But ultimately, we want to get jobs. So we want to do things on merit. The, 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 the field that I'm in, in football, in football media, is a joke sometimes when you look. Mm-hmm. I've been to some of these conferences, I've been to various things and I, I, I've been the only black, uh, black person there. And I've been kind of taken aback. Or there's just a few of us there. Does
0: that make you feel uncomfortable, uh, angry?
1: No, listen, they make me feel uncomfortable because I'll rock into any room. And, and, and you belong, yeah, way. you belong, you belong. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, I've I exactly. my place here, but it just annoys me that I don't see enough of people like my colour here. And I'm, I'm, I'm always saying to myself, yeah, you know, I'm going to make sure that, you know, we do get more people. We're starting to see more and more. I think, you, you know, we, in this week, of, we've had the verdict on the George Floyd thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's forced some companies into second thoughts and thinking about this whole issue. And we are starting to see more diversity, but I still think we've got a very long way to go. But it's it's improving. It's improving.
0: Yes, it is improving. We're having a conversation Um mm-hmm. and people put things in place, you know, because it starts at the top. But those people at the top will eventually retire. So yeah. if we put people in the place at the bottom, you know, get them up there and put them. Yeah, I, I, I it can only improve, yeah. but we it, really knew we had to work on it.
1: We have to work opportunity, on it. opportunity and pathway. Yeah. We have to have those things. Because if people think there's no opportunity, I'll talk to with doing what I do. I, I've been around to a lot of schools and given talks and things like that. and Colleges. I've even spoken at Eton before. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, wow. And it's about opportunity. I mean, sometimes I've spoken at some rough schools before. and you know, I'm speaking to kids and they're like, yeah, did you get into what you did? And, and I'm telling them and they're like, yeah, but, you know, that was you. But and I'm like, no, hold on. You can do it as well. But I see with these kids, if they don't see that there's an opportunity, there's a pathway. And that's why sometimes I like speaking at those groups because they can see that I'm kind of coming from where they come from. So I'm like, yo, you can't tell me, look how I did it. You can do a YouTube channel yourself. This is how you do it. Well, I think that's the
0: thing. Because obviously when we were at school, what's YouTube? Um, You you went out and you got proper jobs, as they say. But do you think kids now, the generation now think, well, actually, I can be an influencer. It does look easy. I think
1: they do, yeah. I think think there's a lot of... um, Because you make it look easy. A lot of kids out there. Yeah, there's a lot of kids out there who do think that, that they can be an influencer and and, um, good on them. But I always say to them as well, don't forget, it's not like no little overnight thing you do. You've got to put it in. You've got to put the work in. You've got to be consistent. You know what I mean? You've got to want it. You, and it, you know, it may take years
0: I, to reap those rewards. I mean, both you and yeah, I. It took me yeah, it took me years. It took me years. It takes years. You it mean, takes years. You,
1: you know, yeah. And then, you know, we're, we're living in a very instant society where everybody wants to be, you know, start a YouTube channel and then tomorrow they've got a million subscribers. They don't work like that. Yeah. And normally, if you get that too quick, you lose it quick too.
0: Well, when it goes wrong and that's where Mm. it starts to spiral, when it doesn't go right. Yeah. And it's, it's all right, you're getting there, but you have to maintain it. And I think that's where kids nowadays don't seem to connect the dots. I, I don't know if it's teaching or they don't, like you said, they probably don't have people to tell everybody, them.
1: Everybody, or... everybody, I think, it, you know what? I think it's not just now. I think it's always existed like that, mm-hmm. especially amongst, um, you know, working pl- working class, poorer people. We didn't have it. So we want it quick. We don't want to wait. We're impatient for it. We want it quick. We. Do. Someone says to you, yeah, boy, in... Five years' time, you're like, yo, five years, I'm broke now. <laughs> I need it in five minutes or five days. <laughs> Cup of broke. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you really have to focus on the journey. And I always sort of say that to people, focus on the journey. So it will take you five years. Right? It makes it so longer. So set yourself, it may, it will take you longer. But if you have that mindset that, yo, I'm for, for the next, you know, this is my five-year plan on this. You will make it. You will get to where you're looking to get to. But if you think that you can make that in five days, nah, ain't going to work. The only, the only things that work like that, where you can go and get it that quick, they're not legal. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> and you'll end up doing five years in the wrong way. You know what I mean, yes. instead of waiting five years, you'll be doing five years yeah. or more.
0: And then you'll have back. setback.
1: Yeah. So, you know, patience, consistency determination, you know what I mean? And you, you, you can achieve.
0: So I'm, I'm going to give you a magic wand now, or a big a mm. big question. It's all about questions today, obviously. Um, if you could have your own record label with all the artists you grew up with and who you listen to, or would you rather own your own football club? <laughs> you can't have both.
1: Oh, I think it'd have to be football club. I knew it. I think you would have to be football club, yeah, man, football club. I love my music, I absolutely love music, but I think of my football, man, I love my football even more. Um, yeah, football club. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so own a football club—that would be that would be magic. That would be magic. though. It could still happen,
0: but it could still happen.
1: You have time, Never know. It's not something I'm looking at doing, but you never know, man. You well, you never know, say Arsenal, never
0: because... Arsenal, may want your help because I know that they've had better years.
1: Well, I ain't got the money for that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you see, you see this week, man. You, know I mean, that was, that's billionaire status. You know, what I mean, maybe <laughs> one day, hopefully, I can get there. You
0: know, but, oh, I've, I've, you know, we've got it on. But- Podcast
1: now When it happens <laughs> We'll set it here first We knew it status, <laughs> man. Yeah, I mean I wish you You know uh, and if, if it made me Ended up being greedy Like I've seen Some of them And then I don't want it You know Because um, I, I've really been Disillusioned to see How some of these Billionaires are operating yeah. You know yeah. um, You know they're, they're custodians Of these clubs And they're treating it like It's just a little Cash cow yeah. And I don't like it No
0: The passion has gone if it ever was there for them, no, they,
1: never, they never had no pa- yeah. They have a passion for making money, and that's it.
0: What, not what, for football. What would be your third and final choice for your reggae?
1: Third and final choice, I thought, you know what, I better slow it down. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go for Wolves and Shepherds <gasps> by um, Dennis Brown. Um, always liked the lyrics of that tune. Love Dennis Brown. i met him yeah. before when I was younger. Passed away sadly, but always loved him as an artist. And this tune's always been a, you know, back in the day when he was in a blues party and everything there. It was one of those tunes that always, always went down well. Nice little slow tune, you know, yeah, I I love this tune.
0: Mr. Robilar, it's been lovely talking to you. Lovely catching up and reminiscing. And hopefully, when all this is over, we can meet in person.
1: <laughs> not 100% you know it was so nice to hear from you the other day you know what I mean yeah. I was like wow, Eric I come along yeah and I dig
2: myself. too much wagonist too much antagonist Wolves and leopards are trying to kill the sheep and the shepherd. Yes. Wolves and leopards are trying to kill the sheep and the shepherd. Yes. Too much in farmers. Too much still they rise. Too much in farmers. Too much still rise. lives. Time to separate the sheep from the wolves. We're at the crossroads, and this is the time of decision. Too much in us. too much till they rise. Too much in us. too much till they rise. yeah. yeah. Too much watching, peep. It's time the wolves them leave the sheep. Too much watch and peep. It's time the wolves them leave the sheep. Wolves and leopards are trying to kill the sheep and the shepherd. Wolves and leopards are trying to kill the sheep and the shepherd. Too much steel they rise wolves and leopards are trying to kill the
0: Thanks once again to Robbie Lyle from Arsenal Fan TV talking on the Reggae Lounge podcast with me, Erica Gordon. Oh, it was so great to catch up. But you will have heard us talking about his hit single, Proud to be Black, which took him all over the world. It's scary to think that song is over 30 years old. And in Robbie's own words, back in the day when he had hair. So, to finish off this trio classic on the Reggae Lounge podcast. Here, as he was then, Crucial Robbie with Proud to be Black. Until next time.
4: Now this one dedicated all the black money in another world. don't to black. Because black people in this world we should be proud to be black and I'm gonna tell you why Hey hey Anything we say on the say proud to be black Anything we say on the say proud to be black Anything we say on the say proud to be black Anything we say on the say proud to be black sf, like no, flag, Because proud to be black proud to be black black proud to be black rob be proud to be black follow me now proud to be black proud to be black black proud to be black rob be proud to be black cuz my cuz me. Pro to be black and Bob Marley make me proud to be black and Nelson Mandela make me proud to be black and Martin Luther King make me proud to be black but you have some black people them not proud to be
1: black when you ask them if him black they will tell you said brown in black race and culture try fit this disown some powder up the skin to
4: make it look lighter tone like me you so know this girl by the name of Joe whose mother and father came from back home she was blacker than Frank Bruno's dressing gown she ate the curly and she live long down but one thing about the girl she was a nice looker one of the nicest girl me sitting in the area say one day mommy, say me go for checker me say hey darling you really look super do you want to come to dance with me the news reader she said, no thank you I'm going out with Roger and I only check guys who have white colour. see them night they went to pop club called Tropicana me she and the boy with them call Roger and the door was too big Bouncers, one look like Big Daddy, the famous wrestler, Sir Roger and John was about to enter, when they heard the words from the biggest bouncer, he said, you can come in, mate, but not that nigga, we don't want this, so they troublemakers, the next day the girl come free cry for me shoulder, me tell her, move and go away, you should have proud of your collar, because, pro to, be to be black, pro to be black, pro to be black, pro be black, pro to be black, follow me now, pro to, to be black, pro to be black, black, to black, pro be black, cause I'll be proud to be black Cause Mike Tyson make me proud to be black And Light Honeygan make me proud to be black Muhammad Ali make me proud to be black And John Banzi make me proud to be black But you have some black man with funny mentality And them are the ones who are hold back, we Cause when me hear them, why me get angry Cause certain things up your stupid pure stupidity If I white man own a everybody seem rich A black man by the same one, them same tea if a white man have a shop, them taco him cheap, black shop with same price, them would borrow him cheap. A white man win up gold, they say he's a actor. If a black man win up gold, them same sell ganja. If a white man mug a gold, it no in a paper. What a black man do that he on front cover. That's right. Pro to be black, we should be proud to be black, black. Pro to be black, we should be proud to be black. Follow me no. Pro to be black, huh? proud to be black, black, black. Pro to be black, we should be proud to be black. Because Jesse Make me proud to be black and Whitney Houston make me proud to be black.